Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Monday, November 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Paul Fritschner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in 10 to 15 minute episodes. It is 6.45 in the morning right now. I am recording this straight off the plane from Portland for the PK-85. So apologies to anybody that's already on your morning commute getting your day started. I'm getting this out as fast as I can right now as I get back home. Let's get into it. The headlining story from the weekend is Xavier's performances against both Duke and Gonzaga since I recorded the last podcast. On Friday, Xavier faced a Duke team that had just narrowly beaten Oregon State in the opening round on Thursday of the PK-85. Sule Boom was phenomenal again for Xavier, leading the way with 23 points. But where Xavier couldn't make up ground was in the post, because Jack Nungy and Zach Fremantle combined to go 3-for-19 from the floor for a combined 9 points. It felt like every time Xavier got close in the second half, they couldn't string the consecutive stops together that they needed to climb back into the game. And then with a good part of the second half left, Adam Kunkel fell and hit his head and wouldn't return. That was a tough pill for Xavier to swallow because they could have really used his shooting in crunch time. Duke kept Xavier at arm's length, never let them complete the rally, and the Blue Devils ended up winning 71-64. to Then yesterday, again without the services of Adam Kunkel because of his injury, Xavier faced number six, Gonzaga. The Bulldogs raced out to a 17-4 lead, and from where I was sitting, it looked like the game might even get more out of hand. Gonzaga just had so much length on the court, and they were making it incredibly hard for Xavier to do anything offensively. But as the game approached halftime, Xavier clawed their way back into it. Xavier went into the break down six, despite trailing at one point by 13, going five for 17 on layups, and having their leading scorer, Sule Boom, go scoreless in that first half. Gonzaga hit a three right before the halftime buzzer to stretch it to that six-point lead, but all things considered, Xavier was right in it. Then in the second half, Kobe Jones turned on the Jets. He finished the day three for three from three, and 9-for-10 overall from beyond the arc in the PK-85. He missed his first one against Florida and hit all nine he took after that. Jack Nungy also had a really nice bounce-back game after what happened Friday against Duke. Nungy led Xavier with 25 points on 11-of-16 shooting, including two threes, and he had six rebounds, two assists, and a block to go along with those 25 points. Xavier led by 8 with 6.19 to go, but Gonzaga, they showed why they're a top 10 team. The Bulldogs went on a 20-4 run over the next 5.24 to retake control of the game. They just hit shot after shot, 3 after 3 down the stretch and pulled away from a Xavier team that went cold from the floor. And again, it was the defense that was an issue for Xavier. It is abundantly clear that this Xavier team will score enough points, but can they defend enough to win games when they need to? That is the biggest question. And now, where does that leave Xavier? I tweeted after the game last night that this is a Xavier team who has lost to number 6, number 8, and number 11, and in my mind, will no doubt make the NCAA tournament. I firmly stand by that. But... 
What it also does is leave Xavier in a spot where the West Virginia and Cincinnati games become all that more important. The Big East is not nearly what it usually is. Villanova is 2-5 after three straight losses in Portland. Seton Hall lost to Siena yesterday. And outside of Connecticut and Creighton, there's no other surefire NCAA tournament teams in the conference. St. John's has looked good, but there's still question marks there. So while... Xavier's look capable against some of the top teams in the country. The Musketeers have to make sure that they beat West Virginia at home and Cincinnati on the road and then trust that the Big East produces enough quad one opportunities to give them the breathing room that they need to hear their name called on selection Sunday. Again, I believe Xavier will be in the field of 68 when the games are all said and done and they have that bracket sheet in front of them but they'll have to turn some of these close games into wins for their resume. How about Northern Kentucky yesterday? Or really, I guess I should say, how about Marquez Warwick? Because he set the school record with a 45-point performance in a double overtime 85-77 to win over Tennessee Tech at Truist Arena. Warwick shot 18 of 31 overall, 5 of 10 from 3, and 4 of 6 from the free throw line. Hubertus Pavorius added 16 points, and Chris Brandon only scored 6 points, but he grabbed a staggering 19 rebounds in the game. Can't say enough about what Warwick did to will the Norse to this win yesterday after NKU's 0-3 week in Florida at the Gulf Coast Showcase. They needed a rebound at home and after trailing in this game to get an emotional win behind a performance like that from Warwick is huge. We'll see if that's a spark for NKU as they face Youngstown State on Thursday at home. Dayton finished the battle for Atlantis 0-3 after a complete collapse on Friday afternoon against BYU. The Flyers were up by 23 at one point in the first half, 32-9. But injuries to Kobe Elvis and Malachi Smith really set them back. The Cougars came all the way back to force overtime and eventually come away with a 79-75 win. Being down Elvis and Smith for what looks like could potentially be extended time is a brutal blow to a team that was already reeling. It's not even December yet, but Dayton's backs are firmly against the wall. There's really no other way to say it. They only have two non-conference opportunities left against quality competition, one against Virginia Tech and the other against Wyoming. Wyoming, though, isn't even performing that well themselves. They started the season ranked 64th, and after a 3-3 three and three start with losses to Southeastern Louisiana and Boston College, Wyoming has dropped all the way to 103rd. If you know me, you know how much I hate using the term must-win, but that's about where we're at with this Virginia Tech game next Wednesday for the Flyers. What a weekend it was in college basketball, though, overall for some national nuggets. I thought before the season, Purdue could easily challenge Indiana to be the Big Ten champs, and they looked the part in Portland. They dismantled West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke all with ease. Their guard play was so smooth, and Zach Eady inside having space to work because of those guards is what makes this team so special. It's early, but Purdue, they look to be one of the best teams in the country, not just the Big Ten. 
North Carolina and Alabama played in a thriller yesterday. I walked in the arena with about two hours to go until the Xavier game tipped off, and there was about three minutes of regulation left between UNC and Bama. I sat there courtside thinking it would be nice if they went to overtime to help the time pass quicker in between the sessions. Not only did they go to one overtime, they went to four overtimes. Thanks, everybody. The late game execution was horrific. It was almost like nobody wanted to win the game, and they were just going to play as many overtimes as possible for everybody's entertainment. In the end, though, it was Alabama who got it done in the fourth overtime to win by two, 103 to 101, and hand the number one ranked UNC Tar Heels their second consecutive loss. UNC went one and two on the weekend in Portland, and they just didn't look the part of the nation's number one team. They'll drop in the rankings. I mentioned UConn earlier when I was talking about the Big East and how it relates to Xavier's schedule, but watching them in person over this weekend was very impressive. I don't know what the AP will do this afternoon when they rank the teams, but they absolutely deserve to be in the top 10. The Huskies won by 24, 15, and 18 en route to their championship. Also over the weekend, in the Bahamas, Tennessee beat Kansas 64-50 on Friday to win the battle for Atlantis. The Volunteers have looked very solid this year outside of that bizarre blowout loss to Colorado. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. There's no area action tonight at all, so tomorrow's episode will be a 10-15 minute feature interview to hear about a few of the teams that this podcast covers. Fairly quiet week this week in local games before a bigger weekend coming up. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Rebound Rundown.